let the feel house invasion begin. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the pro wrestling edition as we grab your attention and vertically slide that blade for a crimson hot dose of the performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, the man with the plan. It's in fact the voice that you hear. Well-dressed, handsome, Greek, Nick Costos, continuing to spread his seed on other areas, other sporting events on CBSSports.com. But have no fear, the most passionate man in North America will return again as we continue to answer the most important question in all of wrestling podcasting. Oh, no, JBL. Wrong wrong question entirely. I'm talking about the question of today, right now. What's the best pro wrestling podcast show going today? That's the best of the best of the best of the best of the best that this world has to offer. Come on, I think you already know that answer. It's the ITC, and a big part of that reality is my co-host from Russia with love. Silver King! Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. What was that sound drop that you were playing right there? That was a little Tony Schiavone WCW uh, back in the day action. Your 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 Love namesake, it. the the old cruiserweight star himself, the Silver King. Adam, we not only encourage our listeners, the Samsonites, to do what they know that we want them to do. You know what I want. And that's give us that five-star Apple review on Apple Podcasts there. We want them to do that. We also want them to do themselves a favor and get some of this as we uncork another loaded show looking back at the week that was in WWE, answering a plethora of DM slides and continuing to fire up that road to WrestleMania 34, Silver King. Uh, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan right now. Things are, are, are heating up. Are you feeling this a couple weeks yes, out from Rumble? It's a good time to be a wrestling fan if you only watch Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Watching Raw <laughs> and, and, you, and you tune into NXT on Wednesdays, you're feeling pretty good right now. But I would say the unevenness of WWE's product has us at a really interesting spot on the road to WrestleMania. And I'm also going to be curious to see how many times we will say road to WrestleMania between now on the road to WrestleMania <laughs> as we get to WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, which BC and I have now booked officially. Are you saying Hotel it's going to sound like this? And the ultimate thrill ride will be your last ride. Come on, Mark Kelly. Spit it out already. Come on. You don't. know what's great? There's no tagline this year, at least not that I can tell. And there's also not an annoying theme song. They have like a, you know, Cajun type of whatever, Creole, you know, jazzy type of song. But it's not like a pop song. There's no... There's no tagline yet, and I'm liking that. It's it's kind of like a calm road to WrestleMania. It's it's like by a lake, you know. I we're not going over a highway here. In hindsight, they look back at "Give Me the Damn Green Light" and realize that for this PG product, Pitbull was not <laughs> talking about driving a car. Adam, he was not by any means. Hello. I mean, Pitbull was was ready to go. Look, there's you can drop some cash money, millionaires, some little wheezy here. There's some New Orleans rap that they can get, you know, leading us into this show. But leading into this show, this edition of the ITC. BC. Let's kick things off as we always do with the main event. This is the main event. So this is really going to be like a red brand versus blue brand version of the main event here on ITC, which we don't normally do. We try to hit both, but this is really a head-to-head addition. Our first topic is has to be that elimination chamber that they have now announced uh, for the number one contendership for Brock Lesnar's universal title on Monday Night Raw. We had both Finn Balor and Seth Rollins joining the match after a red-hot edition of Raw, 
and a main event finish, which I'll, I'll you know, break it here. I liked it. Um, but BC, what did you think of how that went down? And how are you feeling about this Elimination Chamber match as we head into the next Raw pay-per-view? Oh, this guy, Silver King, dropping early that he likes it. I, I like the start of the show here. Uh, of course you like it because Raw was red hot. I mean, it was like every button they pressed worked. And, you know, the sort of the backbone of what made this episode so good was the the storyline connectivity, the build toward Elimination Chamber that ended, of course, with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins in that double pin. And this had, like extra level energy i mean we're you know come on we're on the road to wrestlemania we get it this is the time when this show should feel like that i'm not saying it had attitude era feels but it had a juice to the show and a big part of that was the matches mattering and i sort of you know i wouldn't have laid it out like this but i like the way they did it i like the cliffhanger finish in the end because there were certain points where i kind of said okay i know where they're going and the fact that it didn't just spin off into a Seth Rollins Finn Balor feud, which it probably will after Elimination Chamber, but they're going there slowly and they're going there the right way. And maybe I didn't love that they cashed in that cliffhanger so cl- so quickly, meaning three minutes later on an unannounced Facebook Live, Kurt Angle announced that both wrestlers would be in the Elimination Chamber. Maybe that could have waited a week you know, for us to sort of build some anticipation. But look, I'm not going to crap on that. This was a strong way to present this. The double pin at the end, the way they built up to it, everything's working on Raw because there's, look, it's underwritten, not by the performance-enhancing audio, but by intensity and connectivity, dots connecting. They're rolling right now, Adam. There's nothing else you can say. Like, this could have failed maybe under the blue brand's handling, but under the red brand right now, with Vince Stamp and things, it's really working. I want to cut in a little bit because as much as I liked Rollins being added to that match, even though he, he he wasn't getting a second chance, he was getting a first chance. He could have... I, I wish the story was told just a little bit better. I, I wish that he had said, look, Kurt, you're not giving me any chances here in the world title picture. I've been doing your bidding, making you have a tag team division that matters now. for the, you know, Since the, the entirety of your GM tenure here, give me an opportunity you know, in this, in this match. He puts him in. I loved the finish, BC. I loved it. I thought it was great. But you kind of alluded to this. It was so confusing to the audience watching. Like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? You can't have them wait a week, but what you need to do is one of two things. Either you end the show with Kurt Angle coming out, putting them both in the match, you get an awesome reaction from the crowd, you leave Raw on a high note instead of a low note, or you do what WWE has done in the past, you tell people to immediately head over to WWE Network or Facebook Watch or whatever the case, and Kurt Angle is going to address this announcement now. I don't think it was a low note, though. You said it was a low note. I think it actually worked. In my opinion, I thought the double pin actually left me going the cliffhanger where I wanted to see what happened next not in a negative way but in a good way so that was only no, my no, critique that positive. they cashed no, it in no, so quick it, no it was positive because it kept us intrigued of what was going on that's why I liked it so much but if you're going to resolve it that night which they were going to resolve it that night you got to tell people to go find it <laughs> true either, either on true. the WWE network or Facebook you don't just do it and assume that a couple people who follow Twitter are going to know it's very similar and we'll touch on this later to the Bailey versus Sasha Banks match which they kind of just announced before Raw and had you been following both of them on Twitter, you would have known that there was this rivalry going on, that they were kind of going back and forth a little bit, jabbing at each other, in addition to what happened last week on Raw, that made the match make sense. But if you don't do that, you're not going to know. So WWE, really, you have to point us in the direction. Like, I'm willing to go for the ride with you. I'll, I'll go on the ultimate thrill ride with you. But you got to <laughs> tell me, you got to get me on. You got to tell me it's open and, and ready to go. So You, you just that, need the green light, Adam. You're ready to go. Green, you know, yeah. come on. Uh, so here's what I like, though. I don't mind the seven participants in this match because, look, the the Elimination Chamber match 
is a multi-person match. That's the whole sure. gimmick of it. Six or seven doesn't matter. Here's where I think it actually improves it. You know what the worst part of the Elimination Chamber match is? Just kind of like what the worst part of the Royal Rumble is at times, the one-on-one to start it because you're anticipating and waiting. And unlike the Royal Rumble where after 90 seconds or two minutes you get that first person, the Elimination Chamber match normally it's longer. There's a little bit of a match while you're just sort of sitting on pins and needles. Now it's a triple threat essentially. Unless they create an extra pod, it's a triple threat to start it. That just makes the match even better. And if you look at the roster of who is going to be in this Elimination Chamber match, you and I both wanted Apollo Crews just to mix it up. And I do yeah. like when they put that, that you know, they've, they've used our truth in the past. They put someone in these multi-man matches who you know won't win. You secretly hope they do. They kind of went all killer, no filler here. There's nobody in this match that shouldn't be. There's nobody in this match that I don't want to see. There's no one in this match that kayfabe-wise... You couldn't talk yourself into believing winning. Now, real booking-wise, we know who's going to win. But kayfabe-wise, like, this is going to work. This is star-studded. We kind of feel like who's going to spin off and start the WrestleMania feuds. I feel like this is a major monster success, and I'm fired up for this match. So two things. One, I, I, it is a foregone conclusion that they're going to start with a triple threat, but I really wish they just put Balor and Rollins in one pod. And made them just hang out with each other, and like, <laughs> and they, and, and they get in second to last. Like Elias is last; they're second to last. I mean, that's really what I wish they do. And if they do go that direction, I'll give WWE a lot of credit for like giving us a little bit of comedy and being able to keep referring back to that. Um, but you know, I, I could do without the Miz in this match because outside of Roman Reigns, he hasn't fought anyone else for the Intercontinental Title. You need to develop a feud and have, first of all, you need to have other matches on this card, but you need to develop a feud for WrestleMania with him, and granted, that can come after this match. It doesn't have to come inside of it, but why isn't there the Miz versus Seth Rollins or the Miz versus Finn Balor as a title match on this card? I'll tell you what, real quick. Continues on, go ahead. Because we think the Miz, both kayfabe and in real life, deserve to be in a main event feud. So we know he's not going to get it at Mania, but kayfabe-wise, you give us the chance to believe that he could. So but they I didn't know. just name, but they didn't just name the competitors. They had to win playing matches, and he could have just as easily been rolled up by Apollo Cruz, gotten him in the match, and then now you have now instead of shoving Rollins in the match, you have Miz Rollins in an icy title match that everyone wants to see. Another great That's match fair. on the card, okay. in addition to a normal sized elimination chamber, when you don't need the extra man in the elimination chamber because Roman Reigns is going to win anyway. So again, I'm not criticizing it. I love what they're doing with Raw, but I think it could have been booked a little bit smarter, where you get Apollo Cruz in there, he gets a little bit of shine. And you kind of book around it. Then you have Apollo Cruz and Elias in there. Yeah, I mean, and people you have are going to kill Balor you. Also, people are going to kill you for arguing for Apollo Cruz, though. You know that. You know, people are listening to this right now. Going as much as you and I wanted to see him in there as a goat, but he kind of had his his close up in in the play in match on Raw. I thought he looked good, where he almost two went over weeks. Rollins at the end. Well, two two weeks he looked great on Raw, and I'm not saying that this guy deserves to be in the world title picture. Okay, we can talk about who deserves to be like in the world title picture when we talk about like SmackDown Women's Division or things like that, but. You, there's always those guys in these matches. There's always those guys in the Money in the Bank ladder match where you're like, what have they really done to, to deserve to be here? But they're like a highlight of the match. Like Zack Ryder a couple years ago, he ended up winning the Intercontinental title at WrestleMania. And I'm not saying obviously they should do Brock Lesnar or Apollo Crews, but <laughs> having, having the Zack Ryder in this match is part of what makes it exciting. And Elias isn't is that. Is, isn't is that. Elias isn't that because he's already beaten John Cena and beaten the hell out of John Cena. So like, you know, I just wish there was a little bit more kayfabe in this match, but you know what? It's fine. I'm excited. I'm really excited about it. And I think it's maybe one of the best Elimination Chamber lead-in matches that we've had since they've started making it the number two 
um, either the the champion or the number two, number one contender heading into WrestleMania. Yeah, it's, is, is it weird, though, that last year at this time, the EC match was for the title and Bray Wyatt won it this year? It's a play in. I mean, it, it's just sort of weird how that kind of goes unannounced. Not really a complaint here. It's just sort of things just flop and flip like that. But I can't complain because the build's been great. And just to close on Raw, we're going to get into some of the more specifics of why Raw was so good. But I felt like this is the best episode of the year so far. And I felt like it all the segments ran timing perfectly the ones they felt quicker than they were and even though there was some two and even a three segment match in this because the matches had something at stake there was an electricity there i mean i I wish we can bottle this monday night's feeling and play this all the way to mania you know a year is a long time and i think we may forget occasionally really good episodes of raw that we've seen in july or you know whenever Uh, but there's no question that for a three-week period the last three weeks of raw are the best that they've put together in, in you know in the three week span this past year from the last WrestleMania. I think what it goes to show, and this isn't a surprise to anyone that listens to this podcast, is it's not that tough to book a good RAW, and WWE can do it when they want. I don't know what it is the rest of the year. I don't buy into, and we'll talk about this in a little bit as well. I don't buy into the lack of storylines or lack of wrestlers. I don't buy into it. You can book a compelling episode of Monday Night Raw without much happening. This particular episode of raw not much happened except for the main event you know in terms of wrestlemania or in terms of you know furthering a pay-per-view card there really weren't any additions there's not a tag team match being added there's not an intercontinental title match the raw women's division didn't necessarily get any clearer there was one main thing and they let took the entire show to lead up to it but bc part of the reason why this raw really worked for me and i'll be honest no shoehorning of cruiserweight matches that don't matter into the show. There was no stupid cruiserweight tag team match. There was no one-on-one. Um, I, I like 205 Live being off of Raw. I don't need it. It, it, it was n- I never needed it, and I definitely don't need it on Monday nights. I need it on there. Okay, if they're going to take it, we're going to get into 205 later, but if they, get, if they took tournament matches and put them on Raw and showcased them, I think yeah. that would work, but meaningless matches, right? Six-man tags for no reason. Unless you're doing it the way WCW did in the first hour to get you fired up, to get the crowd realizing you're going to see energy tonight, you're going to see juice. Yeah, the way they've been doing it, we don't need it at all. I don't know if they just ran out of real estate this week because there were so many big matches. There were matches that had that, that mattered, that were stretched out, but there wasn't really anything mailed in, and I think that was the key for Raw. Red Brand, you did it, but as we transition, Adam, Blue Brand, come on, come on, bro. Um, yeah, <laughs> look. Is there any, I don't know if there's any, like, I will talk about this. We will talk about this for another 10, 15 minutes, but I don't know if there's more that I can say about SmackDown than it's the worst it's ever been. It's, I don't understand who's making these books. Well, decisions. let's not say ever, but I mean, come on, let's not forget Dude, yeah, pre pre 2016 uh, draft SmackDown was basically like yes. the main event. I mean, seriously, it was like extra, f- f- you know, overflow matches. You want to see our truth, get a five minute intro, go to SmackDown on Thursday night. That's okay. what it was. I will correct my initial statement. It's the worst SmackDown live on Tuesday nights has ever been. And I think it's by a mile. So let's move on to the second part of this main event and talk about the Fastlane main event, which went from a triple threat match that we basically already saw in the two-on-one handicap match, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, to now a fatal five-way match with not only Baron Corbin, but also a returning Dolph Ziggler in the match. Before we talk about the fact that WWE and it's two go-home pay-per-views before WrestleMania, is going to have 12 men competing, seven in the Elimination (laughs) Chamber, and five on SmackDown. And to me, that's the least creative booking thing I've ever heard in my life. But before we even get to that, 
I, I'm really curious what you think, PC, about the storyline leading into this ultimate result. How the show opened with Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler both separately getting attacked by Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. The decision then made by Shane McMahon and then the result of the matches. So take me through your progression as a WWE fan watching this transpire. Okay, the storyline potentially is the only saving grace of this situation. Because look, the Elimination Chamber is a multi-person match. It makes sense. You're going to have it. You do it that way. A fatal five-way of Fastlane does not make sense for the title when we just had a handicap match for the title. But they're keeping me interested storyline. It wasn't great Tuesday night, but you know what it was, Adam? It was something. And we've been stuck in neutral so many weeks. We actually had Shane and Daniel Bryan with an interaction where Shane basically kind of told Daniel Bryan nicely and corporately, if you don't get these guys under control, you can go F yourself. Like, that's really what he, what he essentially said. Get Zayn and KO under control. Uh, you know, it's a lot of repetition of them running backstage and beating, guy, beating up Corbin and Ziggler. And I know they ended up getting double-crossed by losing their single matches to allow Corbin and Ziggler into this Fastlane main event. They do have me intrigued now because we're going to have an angry KO and Sammy. We have the connection now with... Daniel Bryan kind of moving back into the heel GM role, if not pure heel, at least accidental heel GM role. And now it just comes down to them needing to have a good finish here. I don't doubt that they do. I don't doubt, like I said when we were complaining with Nick last week, that the final end game will look great, right? The final build to Mania for this feud and however it plays out and what Daniel Bryan's role is will look great. Uh... I'm not saying I'm super excited, though, and certainly, Adam, the five-way is just so, you said it, it's lazy booking, and it's been part of SmackDown's problem over the past year, right? It's just, it's the same thing of creating the Riot Squad after you just created Absolution. It's it's lazy, repetitive booking. So you don't just have an angry KO and Sammy, you have an angry AJ Styles, and you have an angrier Silver King, okay? that That's who's angry when we're talking about SmackDown. I actually had to take notes to make sure I covered all of the problems I have with this. Because as much as I love Raw, and every almost every single thing they're doing, I poked a couple holes in it, I hate SmackDown. And there's a couple reasons why. The Royal Rumble winner has already chosen AJ Styles. Okay? Nakamura chosen. Let's not even get to the fact that Nakamura wasn't even on the entire show. The guy winning the Royal Rumble, you're going to feature him at WrestleMania. But this guy already chose AJ Styles. So why is Styles defending his title? And okay, let's say Styles needs to defend his title. Because the champion needs to defend his title, even though Brock Lesnar's not going to. Why is he defending it against four guys? Why did the first two guys he was going to defend it against lose singles matches clean to Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin? And why, if you're introducing a top ten list for SmackDown, are none of the four competitors for the SmackDown (laughs) WWE title on your top ten list? Like, it's a kayfabe list. Throw a couple of them on there. On top of that, you had Dolph Ziggler, who... And maybe you can, someone can explain it to me on Twitter. Maybe he was actually legitimately thinking about leaving WWE, so they gave him the U.S. title and had him drop it as like a send-off. Maybe, that, maybe that's what happened. But no matter what, you have to tell a story coming back to SmackDown better than the way they yeah, did, it was which was basically not telling it at all. You have to have him say, I demanded the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble. I demanded a title opportunity for them to get me back. I demand to be treated like a main eventer, not a mid-carder. You have to give this guy a storyline because... He's good. Like, you heard him on the mic again. He delivered a pretty decent promo. He's good in the ring. He's great in the ring. Not that good. match great. with Zayn was, was, was the best part of the show. It was, a, it was a great finish. Match with Zayn, for me, was the second best WWE match of the entire week. So how can you be so lazy and so bad booking-wise to do 
all of those holes I just mentioned. I didn't mention one. I mentioned six. That's a problem for me when you're going into the road to WrestleMania. I think that's my fourth mention today. Can you explain any of that to me? No, I mean, it's really been unexplainable what they're doing. It's like I said, they have the starting point. They have the end point. I don't feel like they had an in-between. And, uh, I mean, Ziggler set up, unless Ziggler's endgame is a triple threat match with Styles and Nakamura at Mania, right? His endgame is to leave us disappointed and him disappointed. And I know some dirt sheets have come out in the past couple weeks and said, well, he's re-signed his, uh, a new contract. Right. And they gave him the money he was looking for. They gave him some of the outside the WWE Walls opportunity he's looking for. So he's happy as a clam. He's not going to be complaining. He's going to go back to, you know, jobbing for the stars, which is probably the reality here. I think this match just ends up being a big tease for us. If we feel like they've already announced Styles Nakamura, then the only thing to really look out for is how does KO and Sammy potentially sabotage this match and what their role is as a spinoff? I don't think they've teased that enough. I don't think they've really done anything to get you excited. I didn't think this week of SmackDown was as bad as last week, which I thought was really like a last low moment. Was. This week, yeah. it was just a little bit too vanilla. It was a good flavor. It tasted good. It wasn't a horrible watch, but again, it was just everything sort of stuck in neutral, not going in the right direction. I don't really know what the point of this fast lane match is, and I don't like that for now the past month and a half, they had been running on how shows four and five man main event matches, which kind of, you know, that's that gives it away a lot. And I look, I know the battle here as a fan and as a listener to the show, to be honest, and really for us as journalists, we're not a dirt sheet site, CBSSports.com in this podcast. But you have to read the dirt sheets and be up on it to be knowledgeable of what's going on. And I know there's a lot of fans that listen to the show. And really, that's how I am as a fan. I don't want to hear any spoilers or dirt sheets. I want to live in the kayfabe world and then criticize WWE for not doing what I would have wanted them to do. But we have to do that to kind of be in the know. And when you do look ahead at how show main events and local market teases, you do find these things out. It looks like this five-way had been in the plans for a long time. And I don't see how it does anything. The Elimination Chamber seven-way gives shine to a lot of guys and spins off the what's going to happen next in the feuds. I'm sure that's the same plan for the Fatal Five-Way, but I don't think they've done enough to leave you really excited when you feel like you already know what's going to happen with, with Nakamura and Styles, or it should. I mean, where what's KO and Sammy's plan for Mania, Adam, if it doesn't involve a match that involves Daniel Bryan? Is it Daniel Bryan and Shane against them? Like, what is there, what's the spinoff plan here? Well, that's actually, that was going to be the follow-up question. So there is no spinoff plan, or if there is, it's just so convoluted that we can't see it. And that's not a credit to WWE. Like, I like being surprised by players. Well, it could be a credit but, if it's right, if it's done right. Like, let's not well, sit but, here and just be, you know, be be complainers. If it's done right, it'll work. But I well, don't... that's what I was going to ask you. So that's what I was going to ask you here. That was my follow-up question, as I had set, was this. We haven't heard or seen really that much in this Daniel Bryan-Shane McMahon feud, which seems to be going on even longer than the Rollins facing the bar every single week on, on Raw over the last, whatever, nine months, right? If Daniel Bryan does return, like I'm, I'm being honest here, does it save this for you? No matter how bad it is, no matter how poorly it's booked, is Daniel Bryan's return enough to salvage what, in my opinion, has been one of the worst storylines of all time so far? Okay, a couple things. One, it's not the worst storyline of all time. Like, let's not, let's not let the moment get us. Like, things like, there's been some really bad storylines in the past year, right? Like, this is just a poorly handled, larger storyline stretched out. But it's out. nine months, though. If, if it was two months, I wouldn't be No, I agree, I agree. It's, but let's not nine go... nine months. Like, there's been good moments in here. Let's, I mean, it's not the second half of the Orton-Wyatt feud, which, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, but two, I actually asked this question last week, and Nick got super excited and sort of took it in another direction and ripped on me because I was in complainer mode and he didn't want to have it, which is fine. A lot of 
of listeners uh, agree with him. But I, I sort of had that same question. Yes, Daniel Bryan's return does fix it, and I'm sure they're going to do it right if that's a big part of it. But I think to your point, like, we love long builds because it's rare today, right? It's the old WWE 1980s way of doing things when you had two pay-per-views and you have seven, eight, nine months. You know, sometimes when you're talking about, like, the Mega Powers build, it goes from one WrestleMania to the other. It's it's perfect. This goes back, really, with KO and Sammy. It goes back with KO versus AJ back to, what, like, June of last year? Which ran through summer in, in the feud involving Shane McMahon as the referee. Then you had Daniel Bryan taking part. Then you had Sami Zayn coming apart after the, coming into it after the Hell in the Cell. I feel like it has to be a Daniel Bryan payoff, Adam, when they've put this much time and real estate into it. That's a long, that's as long as we have seen in a long time. Well, so, the lo- I mean, the longest feud of all time in WWE right now is Daniel Bryan and The Miz. And I would have really. But they didn't book that. That's an accidental feud. Well, yeah, but it was at it's one a point. It's a talking smack feud. Really, it was at one point an accidental feud. Now it's kind of built. You know, they they're do they're giving us Easter eggs. Well, they're teasing they're the bag, but there's there's no mess though. That's the there's, thing. well, there's no mess. So my thought was, if if Daniel Bryan is going to come back, why isn't it the Miz drawing him out of retirement, medical concern, so on and so forth, because they hate each other so much, versus this, which is, has been a completely convoluted storyline from there's three long-term storylines in wwe right now i just did a kurt angle wwe by the way there's three long-term storylines in wwe right now one of them is jason jordan and kurt angle which is now over or at least delayed maybe SummerSlam summer due to jason jordan's injury the other is shane mcmahon and, and daniel bryan which he, we both agree at best is convoluted at worst is bad and the other one is Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, which is being told for a year. And there's more layers to it than I think people well, give it credit here's for. Here's weird, though. Let me, and it goes back to my point. That's been told for a year on the dirt sheets. It really hasn't been told for a year on WWTV. The matchmaking has set up to it, but Brock and Roman never talk about each other for the most part. It really that's, – that's a – Dave Meltzer storyline because he's been reporting it for a year and we've all been taking it as gospel. And yes, the matchmaking makes sense, but that's not really a story that so, they've been telling. Okay, that's a that's a good correction from you. They're not necessarily telling the Reigns versus Lesnar storyline. They're telling two stories, the Lesnar storyline and the Reigns storyline that are going to converge, yes. it seems, at WrestleMania. Obviously, you have Reigns kicking out of everyone's finishers. Lesnar, no one's kicking out of his F5. They're going over everyone. They're going to meet, you know, Powers Clyde in the main event of WrestleMania 34. My point being, it's strange, and, and it shouldn't be that surprising because it is Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, you know, the, ne- the heir apparent to John Cena, where they tell one so well, and they have Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan, and they make them, not AJ Styles or Nakamura, the lead storyline on SmackDown, and they tell it so poorly. And it all goes back, and this is where we're going to go into our third part of our main event, teasing the bag a little here. It all goes back to what they did leading into WrestleMania with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton coming out of WrestleMania into, was it Backlash or Payback? Payback. That strange pay-per-view where they had, like, it was a co-branded pay-per-view, whatever, and then the superstar shakeup. That moment, I don't want to say ruined WWE booking for the year, because it didn't. We've had really good moments throughout 2017. Uh, It's ruined blue blue brand booking, let's be honest. But it ruined, yeah, that's where I was getting at. And look, it's farther reaching. It involves Jinder Mahal. It involves marginalizing AJ Styles' potential, right, by sticking him in a U.S. title feud with with KO and then not developing that feud. So it's it's all connected, but you're right. That was the, the turning point. We've never recovered. 
we never have. And that does bring us into our th- the third part of our main event. So Backlash, which is a May 6th pay-per-view, is that the next one immediately following WrestleMania? Yes. All right. So that was announced by Ticketmaster locally in Newark, New Jersey. They, they sent an email uh, to some of the, the either people that already bought or are thinking about buying tickets for the show as a dual brand pay-per-view. And this has sparked multiple reports about WWE's future of the Raw and SmackDown brands. So my contention, and this is without knowing anything, is that maybe they just realized that last year, you know, they screwed up and they did a single brand pay-per-view a couple weeks after WrestleMania and they still had SmackDown guys on there and it didn't really make sense and it was convoluted. Or Dave Meltzer is reporting that WWE is considering making all pay-per-views dual brand starting in May and WrestleZone is reporting that WWE is considering bringing back the draft to shuffle rosters. The draft versus the superstar shakeup, I definitely prefer the draft. But BC, let's talk about the Raw and SmackDown split as we stand right now. Do you feel it's working, and do you think changing the pay-per-view structure to make them dual brand will fix what is potentially wrong with them? That's interesting. So certainly it's not working. It's not working for what we said. They, They haven't committed to booking on SmackDown at that higher level. Now, look, there's always that business reality that could say we know WWE's up for a new TV contract coming up soon that provides their financial backbone. Let's not get that twisted, right? The TV contract provides their financial background. So did Vince McMahon in 2017 purposely load up Raw with the idea that SmackDown, whether you put great booking on it or not, is the sister brand. It's always going to level out on on ratings because there's, you know, hardcore fans are going to watch it. Casuals will not. That's the bottom line. So did Vince McMahon load up on Raw to make the Raw ratings look the best they can be for when right now, when they go to those negotiating tables, it's at least worth talking about, right? Like it's a possibility. Yes. But no, the, the split brand hasn't worked like it did to close 2016. The draft was summer 2016, right? The end of it was great. That led around the corner to that build to Mania because they made the blue brand matter. If we go back to the blue brand mattering again, it's a victory. To do that, yes, you do need to reshuffle the rosters. I think WWE is at least aware of how stale SmackDown is right now. A lot of it is their part. They have pieces they don't use properly. But you certainly need more must-see talkers on the blue brand, right? New Day is arguably the only must-see talker. I think that's a good debate. I don't think there's another must-see talker on that blue brand. There's guys you really like. There's guys AJ Styles can be in there with anybody else and can make a great segment. KO certainly can do things. But there's not a lot of must-see guys. They need to restructure that. The whole, my point of contention I really want to talk about is we know they're going to less pay-per-views in 2018. We've, we've seen the schedule. I don't know if I want to go back to two pay-per-views a month. In fact, I don't. It's too much. Even when it worked in 2016 and every pay-per-view stayed must-see because the booking on both sides was, was, was hot, it, it is too much. It, it waters you down as a fan. It, it wears you out. They seem, though, to have a problem booking when pay-per-views are far away apart, giving you stuff on TV that matters. Again, they have the starting point and the end point typically pretty well. They don't fill the middle. Uh, to fix that, does dual brand pay-per-views fix that? It might, Adam. So can we have a reality in which we have two separate brands that don't cross over, but they share pay-per-view cards, and we get really good matches at, at all pay-per-views involving both? I'm all for that, because you know what it means? Then during the week on Raw and SmackDown, you can play out some of the mid-card feuds that would normally fill out a pay-per-view card, but play them out on regular TV which would make the show better. And then instead of overusing your A-sides, right? Like we've watched Roman and Seth fight 
the bar or somebody every single week, right? Roman and The Miz, it's great, but it's every week. Instead of wasting them in the ring, use them more in creative talking segments. Use them even in squash matches that do the design of getting them over and setting the stage for the pay-per-view. That model, yes, all in, Adam. Just as I'm all in at every year, whether it's a shake-up or draft, and I do prefer the draft, reshuffling the deck. To, to, to prevent stale, staleness. It's perfect. Come on. Let's do it. So I think, so I think this is more of a pro, uh, response from WWE fixing a problem that they created themselves, as I said with the Superstar Shakeup, because in 2016 into 2017 into WrestleMania 33, they proved that dual brands can work, like you said, with two pay-per-views a month and so on and so forth. Now, 24 pay-per-views a year I always thought was too much, but I also think 12 is too few. I would really like to see something along the lines of like 16 to 18 pay-per-views per year. A couple of them are single branded and a lot of them are dual branded. I think what Meltzer had reported a couple months ago was they were moving to five dual branded pay-per-views with Money in the Bank being the fifth and the rest were all going to be single, but there were going to be fewer of them, maybe every six weeks as opposed to every three to four weeks. And I like that. But because WWE went too far with so many pay-per-views and because of the roster imbalance on SmackDown, they created this problem themselves. They have guys on SmackDown like Rusev, Dolph Ziggler, etc., who could have been main event contenders. Could have, like there was no reason that Rusev didn't have that title run sure. instead of Jinder Mahal. They took someone who really couldn't carry the belt, as opposed to someone who not only deserved the opportunity but would have done a great job as WWE champion. And they have they have the New Day, which they ran what a six month feud with the Usos, which was amazing. It's one of the best things WWE did. All year, but instead of that culminating at WrestleMania, it culminated at, well, I don't even remember, SummerSlam or whenever, and then they made good, and now they have nothing to do with the New Day, one of the most over properties in the entire company. So their booking has ruined their own model. They don't need to go to every single pay per view being a dual brand. I do like the idea of Backlash and May being one coming out of WrestleMania. You just tie up a couple loose ends from Mania and then you move on you know, after the superstar shakeup or the draft or whatever you do. More importantly than anything else, because BC, you, you had some very sober thoughts on, on the pay-per-view structure and, and what is good and what's bad about it. What's important to me is the draft. I thought the superstar shakeup, and I said this last year when they did it, made no sense because they didn't tell us the rules. They didn't tell us why people were moving brands. They didn't necessarily announce trades. They, it, 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 it moved stupid. away from real sports. Yeah. And the draft is at least real sports. So I like the idea of maybe each GM, almost like a keeper league in fantasy, right? I have these four people I'm keeping. You can't touch them. Everyone else on my brand is able to be drafted. And then you run into a draft and you build back SmackDown because I said this Monday night, BC, and I know I'm going on a little bit here, but I said this on Twitter and I think I said it to you as well. I'm watching Seth Rollins on Raw, right? And he's great. And he's great with Finn Balor and he's great in every single thing he does. And I couldn't help but think, why isn't this guy, instead of being on the t- being wasted all year, in the tag team picture on Raw, why don't you put him on SmackDown and have him run a feud with Nakamura or Ziggler or AJ Styles or Rusev, etc.? You only need a couple pieces, a couple women and a couple men. You put him on SmackDown, 
that brand completely changes back into what it was in 2016. Yeah, it p- put some stars on there, it, but use them again. It could, it didn't have to be that bad the last year. They just didn't use a, a, you know, AJ and KO properly. It's like you're not use, you're not putting your best foot forward. They do need more singles, guys. It felt like Raw did take back more than they deserve. They took, they took Miz. They took, you know, Bray Wyatt. They, and then, you know, didn't necessarily use these guys to the level. I mean, give Finn Balor a showcase run, which we talked about on SmackDown. It, it's all smart to do that. I mean, come on. Right. This is the change that we need, Adam. And the time to do it is after Mania. So, look, let's, let's praise them. They're going in the right direction. I agree. I mean, Bray Wyatt, they literally took from WWE champion, who was believable as champion, who could have retained against um, Orton at WrestleMania, or you could have had Harper, who they had built into a main eventer, win the title at WrestleMania. They took Harper, they threw him off television, put him in this terrible Bludgeon Brothers gimmick, which I think you like, but I don't. And they have Bray Wyatt jobbing to Finn Balor, and now eventually Matt Hardy as well. So just if you just look at Bray Wyatt, who they actually gave the title to. We couldn't believe it. He is a microcosm of everything that has been wrong with Raw and SmackDown over the last Oh, year. and SmackDown lost Cena. So they, they, they lost a lot. Let's, oh, yeah. You know, there the, was a lot. Who, who was on SmackDown and suddenly became a free agent. Just like that. So, yeah, I think that supports Vince's want for Raw to win the ratings. But that's a loaded main event this week, Adam. Now we need to roll to the quick hitters, the, the one by one. What worked? What didn't? You know it. You love it. Hero or zero. There we go. There's the big dog. I got to say, though, I really enjoyed that main event you just said. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on. It's, it's sort of a uh, state of the union, red versus blue in the future. That's what I'm talking it about. It was. It's very rare that we do that. BC, let's kick off Hero Zero with one of the best moments in WWE TV so far in 2018. Braun Strowman one-upping Elias by playing a stand-up bass, attacking him, and then smashing it over his prone body right on that entrance ramp. BC, I know where this is going. Hero or zero? Yeah, massive, massive hero. It, it could be the best moment uh, on WWE regular TV in 2018 thus far. It, it so look, it showcased a comedic side of Braun. There's no limits to what this guy can do, and it's interesting. Around the holiday time, WWE did one of those dot com exclusive things where they had Braun put on the elf costume and basically do some of the lines that Will Ferrell did from the elf, act like he's elf. And they caught a lot of ribbing from that, from fans who were like, look, this guy's a monster. He's a heel. Yeah, sure, he gets face cheers, but he's a destroy- you know, a destroyer, and you're presenting him like a goofball. And the thing was, I agreed, but I felt both ways because Braun was hilarious in those elf scenes. Like he, It was funny, but at the same time, I thought I did want to see this guy only as a destroyer. I thought I wanted to see him saying things like, I want to shut this stuff off! And of course... But by doing that, this comedic flair inside started to eke out of him. It's a tightrope to walk. This week, they walked it perfectly. And Braun continued to show you how great he is. Like, he's not one-dimensional. We think of him as a one-dimensional monster who doesn't talk a lot. But he's better than that character. And we're finding out, Adam, like, this isn't Attitude Era, but he's doing stuff. He's showing you he could do stuff like that. When he came out with the bass, I don't think I've naturally popped in a fun (laughs) way like that in a long time. To see him break the strings instantly is brilliant writing. The song he delivered with the Get These Hands lyric was brilliant. That's the only way you can troll somebody like Elias, who is so over and knows his character so well, 
that you can do it in a right way that works. And I suddenly want to see Braun and Elias on a feud. I don't know if that's where we're going. It seemed like they were both going in opposite directions. But I think I accepted in that moment that if they are going in this way, here are two guys who are on the verge of really busting out and finding out how good they can be. Of course I'd want to see them together. Reminds me of Aleister Black in, in Velveteen Dream in that regard. Two guys right about to blow up. I know this is different circumstances. Massive hero. I took too long in saying that, but how good was this, Adam? And it was a spot that could have failed easily. And instead, it was the best thing going. Yeah, it was a big-time hero. Braun is a better talker than just screaming, and he's a better wrestler than just destroying. He just is. He is a unique athlete. He's better than The Big Show ever was in terms of that. The Big Show's good on the mic, and he was good in the ring. Braun's better at both. And I think this comedy, lighthearted angle that they're giving him allows him to develop that character. He, right now, is not in destroyer mode, and he doesn't need to be because he's not facing Brock Lesnar. He's not facing Roman Reigns. He may reportedly go up against The Miz. And if you're going to go up against someone like The Miz, you need to be able to match him wit for wit. And they're showing that Braun Strowman is able to do that. I liked what he did with Alexa Bliss at the Mixed Match Challenge. After that match, a little bit more than this, I loved both. I liked that one a little bit more because... It showed that this monster guy is like a little vulnerable and he has a crush on this little girl, a little in terms of height, obviously not age, um, this little girl and, and so on and so forth. And, and it worked really well. He blushed and, and he showed that other side to his character. This was really funny. What I, the reason this worked so well, it wasn't just funny. At the end, he got to be the destroyer again. Yeah, so that's, that's the point. That, that's it. You nailed it. He, he got to prove that he's still the monster at heart. So and by breaking massive, that over his back was was the perfect exclamation. You're right. So he's not. Yeah. So look, we got a bonus DM slide this week from Brian at the Real B Monty, and he sort of said, "Look, Braun is definitely a face with his interactions with Alexa at the mix match to slapping hands with kids to this week with Elias. He's a full blown baby face." I want to question caution Brian here. He's a face who naturally turned a face. Yes, a big part of that was feuding against Roman Reigns. So you're going to get those, you know, those runoff cheers. But he naturally changed into a face. I don't think without WWE necessarily setting him up to do that. You could argue about what their intentions were in booking. Right. But I like that it was organic. It was. It was completely organic. And that's why it works. And that's why when fans really want John Cena to be a heel, and maybe not him because of the make of the wish stuff and whatever. But when they really want Roman Reigns to be a heel and you have an opportunity to do it, you know, if they start booing him at WrestleMania and you have the ability for Paul Heyman to turn on Brock Lesnar inside with Roman Reigns, you do things like that. Because as much, what's going to make Roman Reigns, as an example, over more than keeping him as a babyface is turning him heel and turning him back. Yes. That's where yes. the face he comes from. And WWE has that opportunity now with Braun Strowman. This guy's only going to get bigger. And if they turn him heel and turn him face again, fans are going to buy into it because he's now believable in both roles. Hero for WWE, hero for Braun Strowman. And by the way, this is a loaded loaded thing to even touch because it could go off in an hour and we didn't plan it. But... We know Roman is set to go over Brock clean. That seems to be the most makes makes the most sense. Seems to be where they're going. It's been talked about and teased before. If they would allow Paul Heyman to switch sides to Roman, oh my God! So that's where everybody wins. Because right now, if Roman goes over clean over Brock, WWE wins because it's the guy they want in the right spot. We don't know if Brock is even going to come back and resign with WWE. Could be going in the UFC for a while. That to do that kind of double cross to him and have Paul change uh, and get the f- heel turn, then you win. Then everybody wins. Adam, that would be a WrestleMania moment 
that would be up there with, you know, Austin beating Rock. And, like, it would be up. We would remember it. It would be up there instead of just being another step in the forced Roman Reigns push, which, by the way, is now deserved because Roman has won us over. But still, you could win both. Win both, WWE. Don't be stubborn. Win both. It's like Brian at 30. You won. The fans won. Everybody won. Do it. Absolutely. All right, Adam. Number two. Can I give me the next one here? Yeah. On Hero or Zero. Kurt Angle announced on Raw this week that Ronda Rousey, who for the third straight week did not appear after Royal Rumble, will officially sign her Raw contract at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view February 25th in Las Vegas, which was the site of a lot of her UFC victories, of course. Hero or Zero, on handling it this way, on setting up at a pay-per-view a big non-wrestling moment to announce her for the next step after the Rumble. So Rousey at Elimination Chamber and signing the contract there is a hero. I'm going to put that out. Now I'm going to crap all over it. The, the way they played it, the way they booked this, was a massive zero. And there's a couple reasons why. One, Kurt Angle, and say what you will, he's doing a good job as Raw GM. Something's happened to Kurt, and he's not extremely strong on the mic anymore. He can't necessarily get thoughts out as well as he used to when he was one of the best mic performers in WWE. And what they have done to him the last two weeks is given him, last week, convoluted storyline that he had to deliver. This week, way too much to do in one segment. He had to do Jason Jordan and Ronda Rousey at the same time. And because of that, he completely undersold the fact that Raw is signing (laughs) Ronda Rousey. This should be a massive moment. Do you ever think that if, like, Brock Lesnar signs with WWE and he decided to go to Raw, they would just say, oh, yeah, by the way, he's going to sign with Raw, and it's going to be at the next pay-per-view he's going to sign his contract. No, they would blow it up. They needed to make a massive deal. And if that meant Stephanie McMahon or Triple H coming out to the ring and making a bigger deal of it or or announcing it instead of Kurt, I'm fine with that. I'm okay with Stephanie McMahon, even though you can argue whether she really deserves the credit for the women's revolution or evolution. She probably doesn't deserve it, but she's taking it. Yeah, didn't she have the book in a lot of those brown panty era matches? (laughs) Not the book, (laughs) but she had a say, right? She had a big say. So you can make an argument over that, but I'm okay with her announcing, hey, Not only did we sign Rousey, we signed her to Raw. That's why I shook her hand at Royal Rumble. And we're signing her contract at Elimination Chamber. Tune into WWE Network. It's only $9.99. You get to see Ronda Rousey. So that was my problem. No joke. It was a zero because of that. They took something that should have been a hero in terms of what happened on Raw and made it a zero. I I still think it's going to be it a hero at Elimination Chamber, and I really hope Paul Heyman is in the ring for it. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I agree with you. That's a good way to say it. They sort of mailed in the and undersold what that announcement actually was and what it actually meant. Uh, you know, I could complain that it's three weeks without Rousey, Rousey, but they are making something as simple as the next step to sign the, co- the contract very exciting. I'm going to give them a hero on that. I now want to see. I like when they do this at pay-per-views. It makes it, this type of moment really mean something. We're going to see, can she handle herself on the mic in this situation? We're also probably going to get that next step in terms of who she's facing. So that, yeah, look, I am interested. I want to see. I want to see if it's going to be a celebrity tag team or if they're going to surprise us and give her a one-on-one. So definitely a hero on that end of it. All right, BC, number three here in the Hero Zero. Bailey got a clean win over Sasha Banks on Raw in her hometown of San Jose. Obviously, that's a surprise considering how WWE <laughs> usually books wrestlers in their hometowns. Then after the match, they stared off with each other and just got both destroyed by Nia Jax. So we have a bonus DM slide here. I'm going to get to that in a second. First, here were zero on the match result 
and how they handled it on Raw. Well, I want to say hero to the match because, look, they've been doing this lately, announcing a big match on Raw the day before or the day of. And, look, they're doing that for ratings purposes, right? But this got us excited that something was going to happen in their storyline. In their storyline, Adam, something did not happen at the end because Nia Jax jumped in. But this match was hot fire, and I didn't expect it to be. And the reason why it was, and maybe she was boyoed by being in her hometown. Boyed? Boyoed? B-U-O-Y-E-D. Buoyed. Buoyed. Wow, that was a, that was a you know, on par with like a... Not only did he not win it, I felt that he lost it. Yeah, wow. Boyoed. Anyway, uh, she was certainly helped by the home crowd. But look, we crap on Bailey a lot. And it's, look, it's rightfully so. This was the Bailey of old. This was red hot NXT Bailey who debuted on Raw after SummerSlam 16 and, and got us excited. She was back. This match, the way the women's division was presented on Monday as a whole, Adam, made it feel important. It made it feel gritty and intense. This match worked. We all wanted them to turn on each other, and it looked like they were going to there. But look, I'll give it a hero, and I'll give WWE a hero right when it's, they were either going to shake hands or they were going to push each other. Nia comes in, makes a statement, says, Asuka, I'm coming for you. Heroes around all the way. So before I go on, I'm going to give you a bonus DM slide from Tristan Atliano. He wants to know why the hell was this match on Raw in the first place? He thought it was meaningless for it to be on the show. And he suggested that it should have been a blood feud that ended at WrestleMania. So do you have any thoughts on that slide right there? Uh, so, again, and I tease off the top. I do agree with him. And I've said this before with all those Oscar matches the last few weeks. But WWE is in a spot now where they are not relying on creative talking segments to sell their, their ratings and sell their move things along, go to their future. They specifically the last year are relying on stars, wrestling stars on raw for 23 minutes over two to three commercial breaks to keep people invested in the ratings. So I don't like it. I think the good thing though, like I said, is they, yes, it should be at mania and it should be a blood feud, but we're not at the blood of the blood feud part yet. So there's still some more story to tell, but I think Tristan, I got to agree with you. It's, it's overkill and it waters down when you're seeing the same people, wrestle each other when that should be saved for big time all right so topic as a whole is a hero for me i thought the match was great if you remember about a year ago bailey beat charlotte flair for the women's title on raw with sasha banks help kind of wish they would have called that back which they have done in the past but they don't do enough of um she was red hot then she was red hot in san jose it, they were definitely leading leading you to believe that something was going to blow up, that Sasha you know, was going to go nuts and turn heel, which we all want and we all need and WWE needs. And the Nia Jax interference did break that up. I thought that was fine. As long as Sasha Banks has a role at WrestleMania in a one-on-one match, ultimately I'm going to be okay. I really want her to win this elimination chamber and have Asuka face her. I don't think that's the direction they're going, but I think that's, the, that's an awesome match. Okay. Then you have Banks with another unfortunately short title feud. You have Asuka dominating the Raw women and moving on from there. If not, they now have in their back pocket a Bailey-Sasha Banks feud that they can build up into WrestleMania into a steel cage match, an Iron Man match, a two out of three falls match. Something important that you have a heel Sasha against a face Bailey and you have them go this distance. And they have a story that they can now tell. They can develop it during the Elimination Chamber. Ultimately, it's a hero for me. Yeah, how good is the Raw women now heading into Mania? If Rousey's in a multi-person celebrity match and we end up with Asuka versus Bliss with Nia Jax having a role in that match or in or in that feud and then potentially the blood feud of, of best friends, Bailey versus Sasha, I mean, well done. Well done. So, uh, yeah, or, if you have, or, or, or even if you have Charlotte Asuka and then Nia Jax Bliss, 
like I, like I said, I said this last week. There's, I think there's going to be four or five women's matches on this show, including the mixed match, if Rousey is indeed in that. All right, Adam, number four, Hero or Zero. John Cena cut a promo to open Raw saying if he doesn't win the Elimination Chamber, he has no other avenue to WrestleMania. He also did this little line that I didn't miss as the show went on. I had to go back and hear it. We all know what WrestleMania means. You see, WrestleMania can make a superstar's career. WrestleMania can bring a legend back from the dead. Oh, the legend back from the dead. Oh, wow. Is that a subtle Undertaker reference, Adam? Hero or zero to what Cena's talking about right here as we head into the build toward his Mania match? Okay, so unlike you, a potential Taker-Cena match for me as a hero. Uh, You know, Taker's going to come back and leave whenever he wants. Just how it's going to be. I've resigned to it. Just like I'm resigned to Vince McMahon booking until it's over. You know, I'm resigned to Taker making his own decisions and WWE being forced to book around it. I said earlier in this show that Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan is the worst angle of all time. And I was being hyperbolic, but trying to convince me that John Cena does not have a road to WrestleMania (laughs) unless he wins the elimination chamber match is the most absurd thing I've ever heard last year. They literally gave him a mixed tag match and I know you were okay with the build. I wasn't. I thought the build was crap. Okay. Oh, but get, mixed, get, no, 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 no. They, they had a mixed tag match with his girlfriend for the sole purpose of him proposing to her in the middle of WrestleMania in Orlando. Okay. This guy can get on WrestleMania anytime he wants against anyone he wants. He doesn't need to be in a, in a, in a, a WWE or Universal Championship match. So hero on a potential Cena taker. I'm fine with it. Whatever that match needed to happen. It needs to happen. It's really takers only match that he still has to have before he truly retires zero on John Cena, not having a road to WrestleMania unless it goes through Brock Lesnar. Give me a break. Uh, how about a double zero? Because uh, come on, first of all, how first of all, how dare you? And we don't have the time to break it down. But how dare you talk about that Miz Cena build, which was absolute was gold? Fine. But was number nothing. two, come on, do I want to see Patrick Ewing in a Sonics jersey go one on one again? Come on, let's just stop, just stop, just stop that crap. You don't want this zero double zero. Get me away from this. But hey, the dirt sheets might not be wrong. I mean, that's a tease towards Cena Taker. Like I said, I missed that reference in real time. Went back and listened to it. Yeah, that is. Come on, John. Put over Elias. Don't do this crap. You know it, Adam. By the way, if, but, but by the way, if they're going to tease Taker there, then what the hell was that Raw 25 promo from Taker? Like, why wouldn't you drop a hint yeah. about Cena or about wrestling again? That was like, like a celebration. I, you know, 25 years. I'm a big part of that. Like, that, yeah, it was crap in the end. Here's the thing, though. If they're going to do Cena Taker, though, Adam, tell a story. Tell a story as to why they're wrestling each other, right? I don't want to even be as simple as it's my yard. Not like th- that was even crap. If we're really being honest, it was rushed and it was crap. Tell a story, okay? Make make it matter, all right? Don't just do superstar A has walked out to the ring to call out superstar B because really they mail in way too many feuds that way, and you can't mail in mania feuds. That's my what are they going to do? John Cena's in the ring. I lost my road to WrestleMania. I didn't win the Elimination Chamber. I have no one to face. Dong. Like, is that yeah, really yeah. what they're going to do? I mean, if, and if that's it, it does need to be told. The storyline needs to be told a little bit better. I, like, I want a real story. I want Taker to put them hands on Nikki. I want something to happen here. Come on. That's, is that too much to ask? Oh, we're going back to, uh, what was that? Ministry of Darkness days when Undertaker yeah. would do things like that. I'm okay with that. I mean, Let's the do ult- that. that right. He could show her an ultimate thrill ride. Come on. <laughs> Let's wrap up here with Zero BC with Booker T and Corey Graves revealing on Booker's Houston radio show that they worked everyone with a fake beef. 
and we're all marks for believing it. Hero Zero. Wow. You all bought it. <laughs> you all bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. You all bought it. All right. I mean, I laughed at it. I thought Booker getting on the radio and saying, next time I see Corey Graves, you know, outside of a WWE, I'm going to put hands on him. I popped for that. But yeah, it's a zero when, when you see this reveal that it, it can't go anywhere. If this was like, if they fooled us, but this was going to be an ongoing beef and an ongoing joke and on preview shows, which Booker's still doing for pay-per-views, he was going to rip Corey and they were going to keep that going, it would have been fine. But they did something and then came out and said, no, it means nothing. So yeah, I feel like I feel cheap and like I was used and nothing matters anymore. Anymore. And I don't want people to go. Well, that's wrestling. No, no, this this sucks. This kind of this, this yeah. You know. I, I like Booker and I like Corey Graves, but it's not like you guys are Shakespeare or anything. Like who booked this? The Road Dog? Like, yeah, yeah. This, was, this wasn't a masterwork. It was two weeks of like making believe you were mad at each other and then saying, "Hey guys, we're not actually mad at each other." It, I mean, it really? Created fun like, jokes. That's your work. It, Ron SmackDown. There were some fun references to it, including the New Day during that that uh, you know Twitter segment they had last week on SmackDown. But yeah, but overall, the fire. That that's your, but that's your entire troll job. Like your two weeks. Give me all right. If you want to really troll me, and I did, I believe this was real. I was like, all right, yeah, maybe Booker is mad at him, but I didn't really care. Sure, first of all, I didn't care about this. But if if they're gonna try to work us, six weeks, like five weeks, make it something that's really building up. Where like Booker and Corey see each other and they might fight and someone has to separate them and then tell us it's a work. Like don't two weeks. I mean, it's lazy. Come on. Zero. Yeah. Get out of yeah. here. There it is. There it is. Hero or zero in the book. Hey, let's put our hands in, in, in the uh, in the message box there and slide down deep here. Oh, Adam, these are messages from our most passionate listeners for the people by the people. Let's hear what they have to say. Yeah, and we got a bunch. Obviously, we, we took some of your DM slides. We threw them into our other segments this week. We have five more that we're going to discuss here. You know, don't if, if your question didn't get answered, don't feel bad about that. Hit us up. We're, this was a catch-up week, and we're now kind of leveled out. So number one, BC, comes from Dusty Allen at It's Dusty Allen. He says, it's a scary thought right now, but 205 Live may actually deserve its own piece of time on the In This Corner podcast. Last night's episode, he's talking about this week, Tuesday night, was maybe better than SmackDown itself. Do you agree? My man, my main man, Dusty Allen. Look, yeah, I mean, come on. I'm not going to I'm not going to be against you. Triple H on the book, as we talked about, is a good progression and things are starting to happen. I like when Drake Maverick came out this week and told Drew Gulak enough of the suits, enough of the crap. We're going to get back to wrestling. That's what we do. That's what we want to see. Look, it's not better than SmackDown, even this week, which I was, a, you know, SmackDown was vanilla this week, like I said, but SmackDown wasn't horrific. But 205 Live has potential, though, if they can mix the high wire, real CWC type matches and make Drake Maverick an intriguing character where we don't really know his intentions it'll be good i like the debut of mandrews on, on tuesday night that tony niche drew gulak match was legit adam so yeah. I, I don't know if we're gonna have a 205 live segment here like we do for uh when njpw heats up but i'm gonna be talking about it but the most important thing adam is i'm gonna be watching it which is something i'd stop doing i do want to ask you though they sort of seem to make a little bit of a reach with buddy murphy's in 205 live now like what is that guy like 230 pounds like what's going on here yeah, so uh, first I'll talk about Buddy Murphy. The guy's two. He's listed at two twenty-seven. They at least they showed him weighing in to like try to continue the kayfabe that he lost weight for the role. But the guy's two twenty-seven. He's gonna lose. The guy's cut. Okay, he's zero percent body fat. How is he losing twenty-two pounds to get to two hundred four point four or whatever they announced him at? Give me a break. When they show him next week with Arya Davari. They got to do some camera tricks or something to make me not think that this guy's he's like 5'10", 227 going against Arya Davari. Are you kidding me? There's no way that this is going to look 
Like he's a cruiserweight. Like if, if you're going to do that, then they made a mistake initially calling this 205 live and setting a weight limit. Right. Just be like, yo, it's smaller guys like WWE used to. Anyone really could win the light heavyweight or old cruiserweight title. Jacqueline won the cruiserweight title back in the day in WWE. So get out of the 205 weight. All right. Change the name of the show. If you're going to do this, that's a little crazy for me. In terms of 205 Live, not better than SmackDown. I didn't like SmackDown, but 205 Live, it's getting there. It's getting a little bit better. I do really like, like you said, BC, what Drake Maverick is doing, telling Drew Gulak, get aggressive. We saw the result of that. Telling uh, Jack Gallagher, lose the suit, man. Ditch it. What are you doing? This is about wrestling, not about gimmicks and stuff. And that's the proof of this moving towards Triple H away from Vince McMahon. So it's definitely working for me. BC, we have a bonus DM slide really quick from Very Dumb Mark, which is a great name. Uh, it's at Jobber Glorified, another really good name. Who is your dream surprise <laughs> entrant into the 205 Live tournament? Don't be afraid to live your heart truth on this one. Well, it, I, I, I don't know. Great... If you don't say it, then. Well, I'm going to give you that chance to say it. I'm just going to say that with Triple H bringing NXT into this, I think that we're going to see, you know, almost anybody we want to see in here with him stretching the, the waters a little bit and letting Buddy Murphy who's probably better known these days as Mr. Alexa Bliss as, as they're engaged right um, who came back ripped with 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 uh, new facial hair but I feel like there's nobody that we can't see if they, I mean is he asking my, my dream surprise of anyone out there in the world I mean I think so uh, I don't have a great answer what do you have the answer is Kota Ibushi I mean if there's anyone if, he, if he's leaving it out anyone we saw him in the Cruiserweight Classic we said Wow, they got to sign this guy, and they didn't, obviously. Oh, I thought you were going Daniel Bryan way. That's where I thought you were. I thought oh, you were... no, no, no. I mean, I think Daniel Bryan's not more than 205. I would think he is. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. He can make this division. I mean, look, my real answer is Ricochet because I think he's the – but, like, that's why, that's why I didn't give the answer because it's not a dream answer. I think Ricochet sure. will be the guy, whether he's on NXT or 205, that is going to become a thing quickly and be yes. the guy. I mean, he has the best cruiserweight style of anybody on the WWE roster right now. I don't even really – but I don't even really want him on 205 Live. I just want him on a brand, like – NXT couple months drop go to a brand you know, like do like Finn, Finn Balor could be in 205 Live he's obviously not because he's way better than that Ricochet doesn't need to be in it either I think he can transcend that BC let's move on number two here sliding into the DMs from Billy Uzinko okay at Bill I am four with some uh, underscores in there he said so with Rousey going to Raw what does Charlotte's WrestleMania picture look like is there a natural feud for her on SmackDown right now other than the dear Lord riot squad <laughs> so adam <laughs> this is a great question because i think i nailed down where they're going and the women's feuds on the red side i do think that they're going to keep that belt on bliss do the bliss oscar have nia Jax be a big part of it and i do think we're getting the sasha bailey with ronda in an all-star game type of match so that does leave charlotte that does also leave four matches four women's matches on the thing i don't know i mean maybe that's the problem, though. The problem is the lack of depth on the in the SmackDown division. Like, I don't have a great answer. Like, unless they retool a quick best friend breakup thing with Becky Lynch, who is the only other person on that roster that is on the level of Charlotte. Unfortunately, they've been billing them as best friends forever. That, unfortunately, Adam, it does make you feel like there's a Charlotte Riot Squad payoff. And, again, this is the problem with the Riot Squad. There's not a single member of those three who deserves a push or who I would believe in a singles push. Adam, if Mandy Rose was in the Riot Squad, I would much rather believe WWE says, you know what, she's got a great look. Let's push her and see what happens. There's nobody in the Riot Squad who deserves a pushing. So, I, you know, it's not going to be Natalia. I don't want to see Naomi. We've already seen that. If things stay the way they are, if you're not going to give her Asuka, then maybe she doesn't even make the main card. Maybe she's yeah. in a women's battle royal. I mean, what are they going to do? No way. 
there's no way Charlotte Flair is not on the main WrestleMania card. Zero percent chance of that. No damn way. Then you know what the answer is before before you give your take? Then the answer is bring back a legend because we just saw some legends look really good in the in the women's rumble. And if those if people like Trish and Lita are not that far removed from being in shape and Lita or sorry, Trish seemed to be in way better shape than Lita. But can we get Trish back for one night? Or do you well, not need that with when with Rousey Flair, in the picture? Do you not need that? That's the question. Flair, Flair Trish would be amazing. I think a lot of people are just getting completely not duped, but I think I really do believe Kurt Angle just kind of flubbed when he said that uh, that if Nia Jax beat Oscar, she would get added against Oscar in the women's title picture. I think Oscar's challenging Charlotte Flair. Like we saw them in the ring together. Okay, the the whole point of of the Royal Rumble winner, they said this. They get to choose. Any brand they want. Nakamura stayed with SmackDown. Why are you putting that stipulation in if someone's not crossing brands? I think you're going to see Asuka, Charlotte, and Charlotte Flair. I think you're going to have, um, on the Raw side, something else, uh, whether it's Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, or Sasha Banks. No, Alexa I don't Bliss, think so. Or, I don't think so. The case is. Because Asuka versus Charlotte means something. And yeah. Rousey is already stealing the women's headlines. So I don't think you need to ruin Asuka's... I'm beating streak. I think that Oscar, but Rousey's not stealing the women's headlines with a women's match. We don't think we think it's going to be right. But think about it. Every WrestleMania, there are two, sometimes three matches that are on the marquee, right? That are the the reason like last year it was undertaker reigns. It was Cena Miz, right? I mean like the matches that get you there that you're putting up on the, you know, whether it was even sting triple H to, you know, a couple years ago this year, Rousey's going to be a face on that marquee, right? Brock Lesnar, Roman is going to be a face on that marquee. If it's Cena Taker, that's all the faces you need. So I don't think you waste Oscar Charlotte, nor do I think they do. I think they're more sli- they're more likely to waste great matches on good on TV for ratings than they are wasting a WrestleMania match and speeding it up. I don't think it's wasting it at all. You need a marquee on the year in which they are pushing the women's division. You need a marquee women's match, and Oscar Alexa Bliss or even Oscar Banks, which is what I want on the Raw side are not on the level, on a poster level, as Asuka, Charlotte, Flair. That goes on the marquee. There's no, they're not gonna, they don't have to put the Raw women's belt on the marquee. They need a belt. They need Charlotte no, Flair no, on the marquee. No, no, and they Rousey's your marquee. Rousey's your marquee. Mar- Rousey and Steph, that, you know, in, in trips and whoever else is in that match, that's your marquee. The, what I'm saying is that's going to overpower any need to sell Shasha. So, so, wow, I can't even talk. Asuka, Charlotte. So why waste Asuka, Charlotte? That could be you a SummerSlam. Again. Again, they're doing Women's Royal Rumble, Women's Elimination Chamber. They have to have a woman, a, a real women's match on the marquee who's not Ronda Rousey. Like I said, they're gonna. I really do believe they're going to have four or five women's matches at WrestleMania. This is a major area of business they are going into. And they cannot just throw Ronda Rousey after a year's work or two years work, three years work, work of the women's revolution. And Ronda Rousey and Stephanie McMahon are the ones representing it. No way. Not when you have Charlotte Flair in your back pocket. Not when you have a storyline with Oscar. Yeah, you but then you got to do title There's versus title. But you got to do title versus title if you're doing that. And you just did that at Survivor Series. I don't think it makes a lot of sense right now. I think you'd rather have both titles. Why do you have to do defended. title versus title? I don't understand. Because Oscar's on Raw. Charlotte, Charlotte is on. The Royal, but the Roy, but she, she won the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble, the whole point of it, the reason why Shinsuke got to choose who he went up against is because you can cross brands. So Oscar doesn't have to win anything. She's not in a title match. Nia Jax is fighting her for an opportunity to get... Again, it's so convoluted. I can't even believe they did this in the first <laughs> place. Um, like, Nia Jax should have just been in this women's elimination chamber. It doesn't make any sense. But uh, she, she doesn't have to choose Raw. 
and I don't think she. I will. mean, that is fair. That is fair. It's out there. I, I don't know. Well, let's let's roll on. It, we'll, we'll, the more the next few weeks will reveal. Absolutely. Let's move on to number three here, sliding into the DMs from Antoine Hill at Twan seven twenty one. He said it's obvious that regardless of what the Smarks want or think, Roman Reigns is or will be the next face of the WWE. Hate to break it to you, Antoine. He already is. Uh, like sh- like Hogan. Well, he Brett, said. He Sean. said is. He said is. Come on, don't don't get on my man is Antoine or, here. Will, is or will be. He is. He has been. That's what I'm saying. My question is: When we look back in ten or fifteen years, who will be his counterpart or the one B to his one A? Guys like Savage, Taker, Rock, Orton, and Batista. And that's the first time I've ever heard The Rock referred to as a one B. By the way, well, uh, he, you left you out of the question that he put Roman on the same category as where Hogan, Brett, or Sean, Austin, right. and Cena got to. So in that regard. Is Rock historically Austin's B-side? I mean, that's just a heck of a, that's a heck of a, wow. That's another topic for another day. But we get his point. Who is his, who could become and who will be his chief rival, his B-side throughout history? It's a very interesting call, right? Because he, he already had the make me feuds, the feuds that made him against Undertaker, Triple H, you know, a cup of coffee against Cena. Cena, aging Cena could be that guy. Meaning... If we see Reigns versus Cena in two different WrestleMania main events over the next five years, Cena really, the, 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 whatever's left in the jar of Cena could be that guy, especially if they allow Reigns to turn heel. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll be Lesnar because he's unpredictable. We don't know how long he's going to be around. He's not going to sit here and, and job to, to you know Reigns for years. I wonder long-term, Adam, if it's Seth Rollins because... You have the great video packages of how they started in the Shield together. And when Seth turned heel, he hit Roman in the back with a chair. And I still think, even though we've seen them in singles feuds against each other in 2014, 2015, I still think there is a money monster Seth versus Roman main event WrestleMania feud. I say Seth Rollins. Yeah, um, it's either Rollins or The Miz. I think they're, they just resigned The Miz reportedly. Uh, was that a PW Insider? I forgot who reported that, but someone said The Miz uh, re-signed with WWE. Um, they did that for many good reasons. One, there's really nowhere else for The Miz to go. Like, yeah, he could go to NJPW, but WWE is perfect for The Miz. There's maybe no one that's more perfect for WWE than The Miz. Um, he's moving into this main event picture. He's done something great with the Intercontinental title. I think he has the opportunity to be that guy um, to play off against Reigns long-term. Rollins is another answer. And the other one is potentially AJ Styles. Like, he is an A-side right now. Um, and I think we all love him. Smarks love him. So on and so forth. He's great in the ring, obviously. But if you were to put him in the ring with Roman Reigns and do a long-term program, he would be the B-side of that. So I think as he gets older, he's, I think, 40-ish. If he starts, you know, progressing in years and, and he says, hey, you know, I'm going to be hanging it up pretty soon, I think you could see a year or two run where it's AJ Roman. And you're going to see some amazing matches because... Roman's really good in the ring, as little as people want to give him credit I for mean, being good in the ring. It could, you know, AJ would would really fill out that role perfectly, but to be his historical B-side, I think it's got to be somebody that you're feuding yeah. with for three, four, five years, and you have right. many video packages in history. You're right. If you're talking historical, it's probably Rollins. It probably has to be. It could be. I don't, it's I don't, know, I don't know that there's really another option. If it's, it's either him or Miz, but Rollins, they have such a deep history that they're friends now. They go back and forth, back and forth over the years. All right, number four here, sliding in the DMs from Dylan Hager at DHagerJ15. He said, this is WCW yes. DMs for the ITC. Would Sting have been a better, bigger star without Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage coming in and taking the top face spots 
or did he need the spotlight that Hogan and Savage brought to reach the fame levels that he did? Love the show. I'm going to let you address this at length. I'm going to give my quick answer off the top because I have a feeling you're going to agree with me. Uh, the answer is, I'm trying to think of how we formed the question again. Or did he need them? He needed Hogan and, and Savage. I don't think Sting would have been some type of megastar without them. He needed Hogan and Savage to raise the rent in WCW and put a spotlight on the brand that allowed him to be as big of a star as he was. It's an interesting question because there's a couple ways you could argue. It's like, yes, what you said is true. He, of course, need them. And, the, and that lies to the underlying problem of Sting. Certainly a Hall of Famer. Certainly an all-time great but never it was missing that one gene to be the guy. And I think even he went as far as admitting it from a business standpoint. He wasn't didn't have the right personality to to almost push others down and look out for himself and go in the creative room and yep. yell at the booker and push himself over. He almost did too many favors for the brand during the days, you know, and he thought and he even regrets, you know, maybe I should have gone to WWE a lot earlier, you know, right after the Monday Night Wars and not, you know, stay away and go to TNA for over a decade and all that stuff. So he was his own worst enemy. He just wasn't wired. But at the same time, even before Hogan and Macho came to WCW, he sort of was their face and did a great job. And it was because Flair made him and Sting feuding with Flair and feuding with Vader from right around, let's say, 89 to 93 didn't need them and was the face. Now, look, WCW from 89 to 93 was really good. It was WWE's main counterpart. But wrestling in general was at a downtime at that point. So did Sting need Hulk and Macho as forerunners to the Attitude Area era to make a Monday Night War happen and elevate all of wrestling altogether to get to the spotlight level that he did, of course, because he was missing that gene. And you got to give Sting this one credit. He played the perfect role during on WCW during that NWO run when NWO was sucking the air out of out of you know the booking and, and taking over everything. He was the one renegade who you believed, even on his own, could be a problem for them and take him down. Even though historically, I am not a Sting Crow fan because I fell in love with Surfer Sting. That's my guy. Crow Sting is, I just don't love the guy. He played that role perfectly to be a believable opposite to the NWO. So yeah, he did need him in the end, Adam. I think it's an interesting question, though. Is he just the ultimate B-side? Yeah, he's. let's be honest, he's more Randy Orton than he is John Cena and Hulk Hogan, right? And I think, right. you know, and I felt that, by the way, this week on SmackDown when Orton and Rude and Mahal yeah. had that awful segment that made you just not care oh. about that title. Like, Orton oh. is going to go down as an all-time great, but he's the perfect example of a B-side. If you don't put him in there with a true A, you're going to have problems and people aren't going to care. That is also Sting's problem. Great with Flair. Great with everyone else. Not great carrying on your own. That, that's a great point. This, if Rude and Orton do have a feud, like who cares? Exactly. Like, Nobody. Like it, they it, are screwing it's themselves. It's meaningless. Like no one cares. And that's not to mention the U.S. title is kind of beneath a what is he? Thirteen-time world champion. Yeah. All right. Look, well, seriously. On, if Orton stays on SmackDown and they don't get new stars, the only feud that would matter on an A level, on like the elite level, is AJ. Nobody else, I think, could make pull out of Randy the important parts of him. Right. And by the way, an Orton Nakamura, an Orton Styles feud is great. Like, turn Orton heel, have him go for the world title. If they keep the title on Styles and don't give it to Nakamura, coming out of WrestleMania, that I would like to see that feud. That's a really good one. I agree. Let's move on. Number five from our friend Bob Backlund at Talk Box. What are Aleister Black's chances on the main roster? Do you really see 12,000 people chanting for him as a face? I don't see it, man. BC, I'm going to let you go first. 
so you can give your standard diatribe about demons being faces. Go ahead. <laughs> you knew Go that ahead. was coming. Go ahead. No, Go no ahead. you're right. 12,000 people will not cheer for him as a face demon. But I think the answer here more has to do with the indie scene and the love of NXT being connected to the indie scene and Triple H knowing how to book him with NXT. He's a face well, because they decided he was going to be a face, but because the crowd loves him so much as indie star Tommy End, who finally got the call and went to WWE. He could not work on that level on the main roster with Vince McMahon booking. I will say that right now. I don't think that's a stretch. It would not work. Not just would it not work as a face. Now, if Vince committed to a non-cartoonish heel gimmick for Aleister Black, if he was a destroyer, and if Vince allowed him to dabble in sort of the black areas of, of where Vince likes to go sometimes into the dark areas, uh, it, it could really work. But I think this would be the perfect example of a Triple H made man who Vince would screw up and maybe even purposely screw up. So until Trips gets the book, I, I don't want a, him to go to high school, Billy. I don't want him to get called up. I want him to be a, a star in the face of NXT because if he goes to SmackDown, it's going to be like Bobby Roode saying glorious every three seconds, right? Like it's going to be the worst thing ever. Yeah. So you're right. You're hundred percent right. The best thing that you said is that he's a face because the fans like him it, and, and because of who they're booking him against. He's not necessarily a face for any good reason. Like he's only spoken on the mic two or three times. Um, obviously there was the Velveteen Dream feud where Dream was obviously the heel and was attacking him. So because of that, he was a face. You, if he stays in that type of camp, he can work. But I also don't have an issue with them bringing him up as a heel into WWE and just having him be a silent destroyer. This guy from Amsterdam, you don't know what he's about. He just knocks you out. He sits in the ring stoic. Like, it can work. As long as they don't mess up. And but WWE doesn't do, you do that. WWE, does, oh. WWE wants Happy Meal toys. That's what they want all their characters to be. A lot of a lot of sometimes listeners here get on me for like nitpicking and getting upset at the wrong things like Bobby Roode or Nakamura's entrance or things like that. These things matter. OK, what if they if and when they bring Aleister Black up, don't screw with him. Just leave him what he is and let the fans decide how they want to treat him. And if you allow that to happen and you book him in matches where he gets over a Ziggler or a Rusev and it's a really good long match and he wins clean in the end, fans will like him. That's just how it works. And then they will tell you whether he's going to be a face or a healer, who he needs to fight against. I think he will work on the main roster. I think he needs to be treated with kid gloves and basically Triple H gloves is really more I think like he's built. Vince can't talk. I think he's built never to work in a PG WWE main roster role. And that's what really makes an argument of Triple H should take over SmackDown and he should book SmackDown to the gritty style that he books NXT. And then an Aleister Black could work. Absolutely. I think. I think that's a fair way to put it, BC, and that's a great way to end sliding into the DMs. Now, Adam, my favorite segment, a lot of our listeners' favorite segment, of course, is pay-per-view rewind. We were tossing around the idea ahead of Elimination Chamber of bringing that back next week, Adam, digging deep into the archives. We got a bonus DM slide randomly as we were talking about it from Peter Pekinese at High King Peter one He said, hey, guys, might I suggest a match for pay-per-view rewind? SummerSlam 2003, the Raw Elimination Chamber match. Guys like Triple H, Chris Jericho, Goldberg, Kevin Nash, Randy Orton, Shawn Michaels. How about that for an all-killer, no-filler lineup? Well, Peter Pekinese and fans, that is, in fact, the match that we want to dig back in deep to. For historical purposes, Adam, this was the second match in Elimination Chamber history. August 24th, 2003, SummerSlam from Phoenix, Arizona. Adam, I will admit... I've never seen this match, and I can't believe I've never seen this match, but that was certainly a time when I was mania only 
you know, talking to Samson a lot, not, not where I needed to be in life. You? <laughs> so I definitely watched this match recently, like within the last six months, because as you guys know, I've talked about it on the show before I missed WWE 2000, late 2002 through like 2005, that entire era, the, the John Cena, Randy Orton era. So I'm in the middle of it. I'm actually up to May 2004 right now. So I definitely saw this. And I do remember something with Triple H and Shawn Michaels inside an elimination chamber match. But for some reason in my head, I don't remember Kevin Nash or Goldberg being <laughs> in the match or Randy Orton for that matter. So I don't know why this passed me by or if I just was maybe on my phone at the same time I was watching the match. I don't know. So I'm going to watch it again. I did recently see it. But with those names in this match, with Elimination Chamber coming up, I think it's the perfect match for our pay-per-view rewind. You guys, the way pay-per-view rewind works, if you're new to the show, don't forget, you watch this match over the next seven days. BC and I will then discuss it on next week's episode. We'll get into some details about it. And if there's any threads to present-day WWE, we'll definitely discuss those as well. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. That's what I love. This this segment educates for me. Hey, this is one I missed. This was a blind spot match for me. I'm looking to see it. Adam, we close by putting our hands right in that field spot, and I want to say this. Rey Mysterio has joined the revolution fresh off his comeback at the Royal Rumble a couple weeks ago. He announced that he will face Jushin Thunder Liger in Rey's NJPW debut, which will come March 25th, Long Beach, California, at the Strong Style Evolved card. Adam, no, I don't think Ray's going to be some difference maker in the revolution, but you know that when it comes to revolution, I am... I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on, Brandy. I am all in. And this is a fun moment toward that because... I've never been a huge Ray guy, but I'll give him credit. He looked really, really good. He looked happy. He looked healthy. I want to see this match. He looks great at the Rumble. I give you some leeway. I mean, I, 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 I rag on you a lot with the Revolution. I give you some leeway. This has nothing to do with the Revolution. He's facing Liger on a one-time. It's an independent booking. Like, let's not get so crazy. Now, if he joins Los Angeles, Okay, I'm in. Then it's part of the revolution. Let's go. But this is an independent booking for an American show. It's in California. He's a Californian guy. I mean, is it really more than that? Are we really trying to stretch this? I mean, these guys fought in, in WCW and like, I think it was like 97, had a great match at a pay-per-view. Historically, I'm excited. Look, he's not going to change the waters of the revolution. Yes, he's probably not going to join, like you said, a major faction, but I'm pumped up for this. This hit me right in the field spot. I want to see this match. I, I want to see this match. It's going to be great. How old is Liger? Is he like 50? Yeah, he's, he's still got to be like doing 50. Like I mean, we saw him against uh, Tyler Breeze at that uh, NXT yeah. TakeOver Brooklyn show in, what, 2015? And, and it was great. He was fantastic. I'm still seeing him in tag teams on NJPW. What is he? He's 53. True legend. Wow. True. He does, you know, he, he stays with the gimmick. He does commentary in that mask, which is just absurd. Oh, that's great. Now, I like. I always liked him. I mean, I, he was never like, uh, I was never a huge fan of his or anything like that, but I always liked him when he's he he raises the rent and he did on that NXT show against Tyler Breeze. I remember it was a surprise booking. It was like, why is he fighting? And it was a really really yeah, good match. And anybody like My, you, Adam, who somehow thinks Tyler Breeze is the Genetti of Breezango, go back and watch that match, please, please. Okay. <laughs> he still is the Genetti of Breezango. Anyway, uh, my field spot this week. We touched on it late in the show, but it's NXT. Like I don't necessarily have one specific moment, but coming out of last week's NXT show. For them to put that type of show together, coming out of uh, an NXT takeover, it just really impresses me what they continue to do. The booking top to bottom on that show is so good. Baszler is awesome on the mic uh, backstage. You know, Whether it's scripted for her or not, I don't think it is. I, I just think she's talking like she's still in UFC trying to promote a fight. And that's all I think it is. And, and 
for her to be able to do that and come across like a legit badass main eventer already in NXT is awesome. The Gargano Almas situation in the ring with Gargano BC. Hopefully you you watched it now. Um, now putting his career or his NXT career at least on the line against Almas for one more title opportunity. Extremely well done segment with the with the women involved and the six man tornado main event with Sanity and Undisputed Era. Come on NXT. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. It's my favorite wrestling brand right now. And it goes from the booking to the match style to just the storylines that they put on TV week after week after week. Congratulations, Triple H. Like, what's going on there? It's it's the best in the business right now. It is, and it, it, that fuels the argument of what we talked about earlier with the main event. I want one WWE pay-per-view for a month, and Adam, and I wouldn't be against one takeover pay-per-view a month. I'm serious. It's, oh, no, that, no, no, no. That's too much. But what I – you know what they could do? So – a takeover per month is too much when they're taping three, four episodes at a time. Like, you just can't really do that, okay? But they could put an NXT match and or a UK championship match on the major pay-per-views or on the minor pay-per-views that are not the major pay-per-views, since you have the takeover that goes along with them. So give NXT a little bit of shine, either as a kickoff show match or as the second match on the card or the popcorn match. Because guess what? If fans got to see Gargano Almas like between two main events at, at SummerSlam, you're going to flip your lid because that's how damn good it is. So I think they can give them opportunities on the shows, but I, you can't book it every month. Come on. Come on. If you put if they started taking uh, Heath Slater's popcorn, Kurt Hawkins' hop, popcorn's role, come on. You, what, are you trying to put those guys out of business? They're, they are the popcorn <laughs> match guys of, uh, of our standing right now. Adam, that'll wrap up another loaded show. Follow us on the interwebs at B. Campbell CBS at Silverstein Adam. At the Costos, who you will be hearing from again. Hey, how about you follow our show handle at In This Corner CBS for all the latest updates in combat sports? Adam, we always like to leave you with something like this. Goodbye, and good night, We also like to leave people with two words, so why don't you do us that favor? Silver King wasting no time to get the offense going here. We out. <laughs>